you know, when you said that you were allowed to stay at home. So like, I wasn't really allowed to stay at home when I was sick, except when I got my lady business for the first time, I was allowed to stay home from school for like two days. Wow. Oh, I was not. And I felt fine, guys. Because you don't really feel a lot. No. Wow. But I got to stay home from school. And I remember my brother being like, why does she get to stay home from school? Because <laughs> she's a woman now. <laughs> yeah, so good. Amazing. Welcome to Growing Up Immigrant. We're a group of multicultural friends who grew up in immigrant families in Toronto. Each episode, we discuss a different topic through the lens of our respective cultures. As a disclaimer, we obviously don't speak for everyone from our cultural group, but we do share stories that we think all kids of immigrants can relate to. This is episode six. Today's topic is about physical health growing up in our immigrant households. We talk about obscure remedies that our parents brought over from their home countries, health products we can't live without, and how we were influenced by the traditional medicine our parents passed down to us. Before we dive in, allow us to introduce ourselves. My name is Lucy, and I was born in China and moved to Canada when I was six. When I got sick, my parents would make me drink this Chinese herbal drink, which was super bitter. And I remember plugging my nose to drink it and having them yell at me to drink it when I didn't want to. And I just remember being jealous that my other friends could have flavored cough syrup and sweet tasting medicine while I had to drink this bitter drink. Hi, my name is Lamise. I am Lebanese Canadian, third generation. So I was born in Canada and so is my mom. And when we were sick, we had two choices. Actually, it wasn't a choice. It was probably both right after another. The first is like a distilled sage tea. And that was what you had to drink, whether you had a stomach ache, the flu, any kind of ailment, that tea was just pushed on you. And randomly enough, also 7-Up. I don't know if this is just Lebanese or Arab households, but anytime you didn't feel well, you just had to drink 7-Up. Hi, my name is Neri. I'm Sri Lankan Canadian. When I was uh, sick as a child, my mom used to try and make sure that we didn't lose weight by beating an egg until it was really frothy and mixing it with warm milk. She called it egg milk and would force us to drink it because we would be unable to eat meals. And wait, Neri, this is a raw egg? This is a raw egg. So we drank a slimy milk drink. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> My name is Melly. I am an Indonesian immigrant. And when I was sick, we had a type of oil in Indonesia called Minyatawan. And we put that on every ailing part of our body. So whether that was a cold, you put that on your throat, a stomach ache, muscle pain, whatever it was, this stuff just gets slapped all over your body. And that was really a lot of my childhood because I was sick a lot. It's so interesting that they all had these different concoctions for when you were sick. And Lamise, you mentioned 7-Up. It's funny because one time my dad, when I was sick, he made me boiled ginger and brown sugar, but he boiled it in Coca-Cola. I don't know if there's something with fizzy pop drinks. It's bizarre where they come up with these things. Yeah, I, I, maybe it's the fizziness helps settle your stomach or the sugar. I don't really know what it is. And Melly, back to your oil. Is that 
similar to like a tiger bomb kind of thing? Because I think we had something similar too. I would imagine it was something like a tiger bomb, but we had to put our stamp on it Indonesian style, you know? My husband hates the smell and yet there's something so comforting about that smell to me. I just love it. I don't know. Are there any remedies that you guys remember that you guys actually love? Yeah, I think every culture has like a menthol-y oil or something that they use to rub for different ailments. It's kind of like a Vicks VapoRub, essentially, right? Like that's ultimately what it is, like a very minty, strong scent. Like camphorous. Right, exactly. And it's interesting because I know a lot of Hispanic people, I think, use Vicks VapoRub for them. That's like the one thing that solves all ailments. I remember my grandma had this Chinese white flower oil and it was the same thing. It was like, you have a headache, put it on your temples. Or anytime I have a mosquito bite, I put it on because it's got a cooling effect. I like the smell. One time I was on a plane and I used it because I had mosquito bites and the whole plane just smelled like it. And I was like, in hindsight, I really shouldn't have brought this on the plane. I also love the smell because whenever my mom or anyone would get a headache, they'd put it on. And like, I remember wanting to sit on their lap just because it smelled good to me. I love the smell of it too. And it is very comforting. We had something very similar. It's called something different in Arabic. But then when we came here, it's kind of harder to find here, like that specific one. But then when my parents discovered Tiger Bob, they're like, well, this is pretty much the same thing. So we've switched over. Oh, converts. (laughs) My parents would never convert. Well, to be fair, the one that we used to use, it's not technically Lebanese. I think it's Saudi Arabia. And so whenever somebody we knew that came from Saudi Arabia, they would bring it Um, like my uncle lived there so he'd always bring us some so if it was like homegrown Lebanese stuff I don't think they could have converted that easily that's another thing that immigrants love doing is bringing medical things to and from their home countries and I remember every time we'd go back to China my mom would go to Costco and get specifically fish oil I don't know why that was one of like the main things but it was so well received I don't know if it's just really expensive in China but what were some other things that your family back home wanted you to bring back or you brought back from your home country when you visited I could definitely relate to the Costco trips I mean half the suitcases were like Tums and Advil and like Things that, I mean, are are available there. I don't know if Tums is specifically. Advil you can find in Lebanon, but it's just more expensive. It was always Tums and some vitamins as well. But those are more if people specifically ask for some. But Tums and Advil were always well received. And then on the way back, we always had, like what I was saying before, like the distilled sage and rose water so it's also just kind of like distilled rose which is another remedy that we would drink or put in things or even use like topically if you had a burn or something like that so we always brought some of that back bundled up super carefully because it's very precious my family didn't bring back medicine from canada by any means i don't know if it's just my family specifically but They always worry that North American medication was never strong enough for them. (laughs) So we always brought back gifts. They would give us their oils and all of that stuff to take home. That's funny you talk about medications not being strong enough because that is such an immigrant belief. Like whether that's vaccines or anything, they need it to be the most potent stuff. Coming from a third world country, like my mom... If there was something that was going to somehow make me more immune to all of the things, I would be first in line with her. 
my first job after university was at a vaccine site. And I was fully vaccinated, born and brought up in Canada. And when they checked my immunity to certain things, I had to get like a bunch of vaccines that I had already had as a child because my immunity was lower than it could be to work there. And my parents, I don't know about your parents, but I don't know if they have like marks on their arms where they had their immunizations. I have one. I have one too. If you were born in another country, you have one. Yeah, because they didn't have baby needles. My husband calls that like his proud immigrant mark. (laughs) He has one, but I don't. So my parents also have those marks and they never need to get any top ups because whatever they got was so potent, it gave them like (laughs) eternal immunity and left a badge of honor on their arm. Well, speaking of vaccines, obviously COVID happened. I'm curious, how did your families handle COVID? My parents were very, very protective, always wore masks, face shields, gloves for the first few months, at least going anywhere, going to the grocery store and things like that. But what I did find was my mom on WeChat, she'd be in all these different WeChat groups and people would just start to send. You remember those spammy COVID myths? It was like, oh, if if you can't hold your breath for longer than 30 seconds or something like you have COVID. Or you can kill the COVID germs by drinking really hot water or something like that. So just constantly sip very hot water. And I just remember getting that and being like, this isn't real. You can't just keep sharing this because it's not true. But I'm curious, I guess, how your families took it. So my parents were definitely like very COVID conservative. And they even went to the extreme of pretty much telling us, don't come over because you're still going to work. This is like the first time in my life, because otherwise my parents and Ryan's parents are just obsessed with us. Come over like anytime, all the time. I think my parents and my in-laws as well really struggled with a lot of different aspects with it. And this isn't everybody, but I've just heard from families around them too. They did take precautions, but it was more like, we're really scared of this, but it's in God's hands and we'll see what happens kind of approach. Because I think a social life is so key to our culture that cutting themselves off from everybody was just impossible for a lot of families in my community because that's like their lifeline. My parents, who were also quite conservative about COVID, were still wanting to see my siblings and I like constantly. That was my experience too. Like my dad is very heavily diabetic and so they're always concerned about his health, but not at the cost of family time. They would maybe back away from social events. I feel like with Lamise, they really depend on their tribal kind of friend group. They were able to step away from that a little bit, but never from my sister and me. Similar to that, like whenever I'd say, we can't see you because you're seeing some other people. And we had a young, a newborn. So we were super conservative with COVID precautions. So they were like, no, we're not seeing anybody. We're like, but you're seeing your children and your children's spouses and their kids. They're like, yeah, yeah, but that's just family. Like family doesn't count as people that you're seeing. And they're always like, we're not seeing anybody except so-and-so and and their kids. (laughs) Yeah, but they're family members. (laughs) Exactly. So when I was younger and still to this day, my parents almost get mad at me when I get sick. And I'm curious if that's something that you guys can relate to. And 
The reason I know this is because I remember as a kid seeing commercials for Robitussin or Tylenol or whatever, children's Advil. And the kids would be like, mom, I'm sick. I'm not feeling well. And the mom would be like, come here. Let me help you. Lie down. Let me get you some children's Advil. And I was like, what? That is not the experience I had with my parents when I told them I was sick. They'd be like, what did you do? Why did you get sick? You weren't warm enough. But anyways, I was wondering if that's something that you guys can relate to. Yeah, my mom used to get so mad at me when I was sick. Somehow it was my fault, right? Like I didn't zip up my coat. Exactly. Or I was playing far too long, too late, too cold. And somehow it was my fault. And similar to you, I often had that jealousy with other kids when they got sick. It looked like they got special treatment. And here I was getting berated for it. So absolutely. Totally relate to that. (laughs) So for me growing up, my parents were just always in denial when we said we were sick. So we would say, oh, like, I think I'm not feeling well. And my mom would be like, just drink some water and you'll be fine. (laughs) If you said you had a stomach ache, it was go sit on the toilet for some time. You'll be fine. One like really distinct memory that I have was leading up to my fourth birthday where I had like an itch on my neck and I was like, oh, I think I got bitten by a mosquito. And this is what I told my mom. And she was like, there are no mosquitoes in Vancouver in March. You definitely didn't get bitten by a mosquito. You're fine. So I also ignored it. And even the next day I was like, I think something's wrong. Like, I don't understand why I have this really itchy mosquito bite. Then I wake up on the day of my fourth birthday party, which I was so excited for. I had a bunch of friends coming over and I was just covered in chicken pots. Oh, oh man. <laughs> so then I go to my mom and I know not to complain about the itch on my neck or all over my body because it's just in my head. And my mom takes one look at me and she's like, oh my God, you have the chicken pox. And has to like call everybody urgently because they're all supposed to come at 11. But being from Vancouver, the hippie town that it is, everyone still came (laughs) because it turned into a chicken pox party. The other parents wanted their kids to get it too. Oh, someone even brought their cousin. I didn't know this cousin, but I remember being at this party and feeling so sick and being told like, you need to cut the cake. And I just want to like be in bed, but being forced to like stay awake and play with these other kids. It's a really funny memory because you see all these pictures of me and I'm scowling in every one, but all the other kids are having the times of their lives. It was definitely an interesting and eventful birthday. That's so funny. The fact that your mom forced you to attend the birthday is amazing. And I feel like immigrant parents will never let you stay at home if you're not feeling well. Like you'd have to be crazy sick because they will never let you miss a day of school ever. I remember friends who were not immigrants, they would be like, I have a mild headache. And their parents would be like, stay home. It's totally fine. Stay home for the day. And I was like, what? That makes no sense. So I actually, I can't relate to what you guys are saying. I don't know if this is, again, I can't speak to like everybody in my culture. It could be because my mom was born here, but we were pampered when we were sick. So you got a lot of special treatment. You get to be comfy at home and soups and drinks. And it was almost like sometimes I felt like a little too much. Like sometimes I would want to go to school and then my parents would be like, no, like you can't, you have to rest. They took being sick and resting very seriously. But that being said, we were also a little bit blamed for it. 
I think Lucy and Melly, you both mentioned being cold. Mm -hmm. So whenever we were sick, it's because you got cold. I told you to dress warmer. So there was that level of guilt, but then we were painted. It was always either cold or the evil eye, which was out of our control. You were the kid in the commercial that we were envious of. (laughs) Yes. I was. I'm sorry. Let me, something you said, it reminded me of something when you said evil eye. Did any of your parents have weird reasons as to your sickness? For me, I would have the common cold and my mom would say that I, I can't even correctly translate it, but it's masu angin, which basically is like the wind entered you and it won't escape you. Yes, that is a Chinese thing as well. Oh my gosh. We have something so similar. Because I don't understand it. <laughs> Can anyone explain that to me? I don't quite understand it, but it does happen to me. So I do kind of believe in it. But it's so weird because it doesn't happen to my husband, for example, and he's white. So I wonder if you know about it. It happens to you. But if you don't know about it, it doesn't. I don't know. But in Chinese, it's jiao liang, which means like you're catching the cold. Yeah, or catching wind. If there's a vent, if there's a draft of wind, that's a bad thing. Like you never want to be in a room with a fan in your face or on your body or cold air. Yeah. It's like the worst thing. Yeah. Or going to sleep with your hair wet, especially if it's a colder room. That's a no-no. Oh, yeah. I was not allowed to do that either. Yeah. Anytime I got a stomach ache, my parents would be like, Oh, that's maso ange. (laughs) You caught a cold wind into your stomach. Yes. And you have to wear a big sweater and make sure you're in a room with no draft, no wind. And put this oil on your stomach. (laughs) Fair. Yeah. So I totally know where you're coming from. It's a very common thing. Yeah. We have something... Which you guys are both describing it like perfectly. We say effet bard, which literally translates to you took in cold. Mm. And that's what you're just trying to avoid constantly. You have to be avoiding fans. Like you're saying, you can't go out with your hair wet. When crop tops were in style, like my parents would always make comments about like, how are these people not, you know, taking in cold? (laughs) Yes. Funny enough, I wore a crop top for the first time ever, like many years ago, probably inspired by Dipti, who rocks them all the time. And that happened to me. And I had such a stomach ache. And my mom was like, I told you so. Like, this is why you shouldn't wear it. That is so interesting. It's funny that we all have something similar. So I have a Sri Lankan father, and now I'm married to an Indian man. And they are often not wearing shirts, especially in the summertime. And they do not take in cold. I mean, I think it's different in the summer, right? Like in the yeah. heat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't apply in the heat. Yeah, yeah. In air conditioning, though, inside, that would be like risky. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm curious to ask you guys. So there's like the opposite of zhao liang, which is shanghua. There's like a fire or like a heat inside of you. I don't know if that's a thing too for you guys, but it's basically like if I had a canker sore in my mouth and I went to my parents about it, they'd be like, you've got this inner heat and you have to drink more water. You can eat things like watermelon, stop eating spicy food, stop eating red meat because those things can make it worse. But that was like the opposite of the cold was having this inner heat. No, that's really interesting. I've never heard that. I do like that concept, Lucy, of hot and cold where one is talking about inflammation and heat and the other is like about blockages. Essentially, yeah. That's so cool. I think it stems from Chinese medicine and 
acupuncture and a lot of those things, which I've done and it's benefited me, but some people have tried it and it hasn't worked for them. But yeah, there's definitely a whole area of research and you can become like licensed in that. It was interesting because one time I met a white woman who studied Chinese medicine and she was saying these things to me about like, don't have your hair wet and don't catch cold and all these things. And then that moment I was like, oh, shit, this is legit. OK, like white people are studying this. OK, maybe there is truth to this. Maybe there is truth to what my parents would nag me about. It's not just a quirky thing your parents said. There's something behind exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. But I feel like in all our cultures, there's very ancient medicine or like Ayurvedic medicine. I'm sure that's a thing in South Asia as well. My dad and his brothers actually studied Reiki. So sometimes when I got sick as a kid, they would have me lay down on the bed and they would literally just put their hands hovering over me and just breathing. And I just remember, one, loving it because I was getting, for once, special attention. (laughs) But yeah, it was really cool. They did really embrace those kinds of things like Reiki, Tai Chi was really hot in Indonesia back then. It was like Indonesia's version of yoga, I guess. That was a cool practice. And I'm kind of sad that he didn't continue that when we moved to Canada. It's interesting you bring up Reiki. I actually don't know too much about it, but I feel like a lot of white people (laughs) practice it or teach it. Yeah. It's like yoga or a lot of these things where it actually stems from a lot of history from other cultures and other places, but it's become like a new age trendy thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's funny because we have something kind of similar in our culture. When my parents first heard about Reiki, because a couple of my aunts are really into it, they kind of rolled their eyes at it because they're just like, you know, what is this new age fad? Mm -hmm. And then I was like, wait, isn't that similar to this other thing that a lot of Lebanese people do when you're sick? And they're like, oh, but that, that's different. That is legit. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost, you know, very similar, kind of like a prayer that you say when somebody's sick and that it makes you feel like instantly better. And I was like, that sounds so similar to that. And they're like, no, no, that... (laughs) That's got like centuries of (laughs) truth and evidence behind it. But yeah, I think a lot of cultures have something similar. Yeah. And that's an interesting point. I feel like our parents are so proud of these remedies or these ways because they're like, this is our culture. You know, I remember one time being like, I don't want to drink your herbal medicine. Like, I want to take Tylenol right, or something. And my parents were like, how dare you disrespect your Chinese (laughs) heritage by not drinking this bitter drink and wanting to take Western medicine. But yeah, they had to shift to learn how to take Western medicine. It's kind of nice having both like for us as our perspective. I don't know how many of you guys use both in your everyday life, but I do kind of go back and forth. Like I'll mix both. Like I'll take an Advil and drink some sage tea. And I'm just like, I'll just hit it from all fronts. And it's kind of nice to have that connection. Uh, Yeah, I agree with that. Between my husband and I, we just handle like a simple headache so differently. He reaches for the Advil bottle right away. And I got to make sure that I drink two glasses of water, followed by tea, followed by this, and a little bit of rest. And then, and only then, if I'm still hurting, then I'll reach for the Advil bottle. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I like that. I like that it shaped me to be like that. I don't know why I have pride on that, but I do. (laughs) Is hot water like gold pretty much in your families when it comes to health? 
my parents only drink hot water or they'll boil water and they'll wait for it to get to room temp and then they'll drink it. They'll never drink cold water. And my grandparents, I don't think my grandparents have ever had a sip of cold water like their whole life. I mean, obviously in China, too, you, you can't drink the water from the tap. But I remember every time I went to visit them, they'll boil like a huge amount of water and then they have these giant thermoses. And throughout the day, they'll just drink from the thermos. But yeah, hot water is like everything in, in Chinese culture. This is my dad, except I think he got it from some sort of WhatsApp forward or email because it started after we moved to Toronto. So after I was 13, this obsession with hot water where he actually bought like a big thermos that wouldn't fit in his office bag and would carry it like a separate purse <laughs> and take it with him on the subway to work and sometimes like if he was really thirsty and needed water in a hurry but couldn't wait for the kettle to boil he would even microwave water wow the other one that my parents are into now is fenugreek seeds i don't really know what they're doing this for but they would soak fenugreek seeds over night and then drink it and eat the seeds in the morning I don't even think they know why they were doing it, but they were told it was good for you. And they were just like, why not? <laughs> That's funny with water. No, we're we're all about cold water. Like water is just constantly pushed on everybody. I mean, you can drink tea, but not hot water. That would be like something strange in our household. If someone was to ask for it, it just would be like, oh, just hot water. <laughs> But I know that that's a big thing in Chinese culture because I used to work in Markham, which is predominantly Chinese and Chinese restaurants just north of Toronto. And I went with a Chinese friend to a restaurant where there were no menus in English and it was just Chinese. And she ordered for us and I wanted water and they brought me like hot water. And I was like, can you ask them for like cold water? So she asked the waitress and she's just like, no. I was like, can we have room temperature? She's like, no, like you can just have hot water. That's all we serve in terms of water. I was like, okay. That's hilarious. She's like, oh, wait for it to cool down. I was like, okay. <laughs> but my friend warned me of that because she's like, this is like such a traditional restaurant. They're not going to give you cold water. Yeah, my mom, if I drink cold water in the morning, she'll be like, you cannot drink cold water. You have to start the day with hot water or something hot in your stomach. And my husband makes a smoothie every morning for breakfast. And my mom is like, how does he do that? Like, it's so bad for him. It's so bad for his stomach to get this freezing cold smoothie every morning. Like, he needs to start with something hot. And I'm like, he's fine. I really think it's okay to start with something that's not hot in the morning. He never catches cold, mom. He, he never does. <laughs> that's what you should tell her. We talked a little bit about some interesting remedies or things that our families do. To be fair, I'm not denying that these don't work, but sometimes I feel like my parents trust them so blindly. What are some of those things, I guess, for you guys in your culture? So there's so many in our culture and there's so many that I didn't know before. and They're kind of like revealed to us as time goes on based on different scenarios. So quick example, I was stung by a bee a couple of years ago at a barbecue, at a family barbecue. And three different people rushed to get me garlic to like rub on my foot where the bee sting was. And my husband was like, do not put garlic on it. I don't know what this is. He was so freaked out, but I think it kind of worked. So there's so many little things that I didn't know about until you get into a situation like a bee sting. But a more recent example, so when my daughter, she's only one, but I think she was about 
two or three months old and we casually mentioned, oh, you know, she hasn't pooped in the last two days, which we were assured is normal for a baby that age once in a while. And we were at a family thing and several people at once just started explaining to us how we need to take a pine nut and dip it in olive oil and stick it up her butt. And we were just saying, we're not going to do that. Like, I've never heard of this. And then they like doubled down to explain it further. And they were like, coat it in olive oil, make sure it's good olive oil. And it has to be like a good pine nut, not ones you would buy in Canada. It has to be straight from Lebanon or a different pine nut. And they just like kept explaining it in further detail with my husband and I trying to cut them off, telling them, we are not going to do that. We're not going to put a pine nut in her butt. (laughs) And they were just like, well, you need to. So needless to say, we did not do that. She pooped just fine the next day. And (laughs) it's not something I'd ever heard before. But these things just get revealed to us over time. But in defense of our families, who we ridiculed at the time, just a couple months after that, there's a really popular baby brand called Frida Baby. And they came up with a product, which is essentially the same thing. It's this little device, not a pine nut, but like another device that you would put in a baby's bum to cure constipation. And I was like, wow, if Frida Baby is doing this, then maybe our families were a little bit correct, but we still were not going to do it. Isn't it so weird that it takes someone that's not in our culture to do the same thing for us to be like, oh, shit. All right. Maybe there is truth to this. That's what it takes for us to believe it. I don't know. I feel like the older I get, the more I subscribe to it a little bit, because at the end of the day, they are talking about generations of experiences where sticking a pine nut up a baby's bottom actually works. And so when you're a desperate parent and it's like day four of constipation and you try it and it works, then like, who are you to refute that? And maybe the only thing we don't have is the data to back it up. Imagine all of those past experiences being recorded, then that becomes basically science, right? I don't know, guys. The more I grow up, the more I'm coming back to Indonesian healing and belief systems around health and well-being. That's a really good point. I think I need to trust that a little bit more. I think when I hear these things from my parents and they say it like it's fact, my first instinct is just reject it. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Maybe even ridicule it. But a lot of times, like with the Frida Baby product, it made me think twice. Or I'm like, okay, that actually maybe makes sense. And there was another similar example. My husband told me when he was a child, he had an earache and his mom warmed up some oil and put it in his ear. And he was like traumatized. He still is traumatized by this. He's like, how could she do that? And it was too hot and he like couldn't hear for the whole day. And to this day, just thinks it's like the most ridiculous thing she's ever done. But then Lucy, you were recently telling me how you had an earache or maybe it was your husband. And that's what your doctor told you to do. Yeah. (laughs) To put some olive oil. That's exactly it. We had like a telehealth call. Both of our ears were feeling weird, oddly enough. The doctor, I don't know if she was a doctor or a nurse, but in any case, she was like, yeah, just get some olive oil and a couple drops in your ear and that should do the trick. And I didn't do it, but my husband did it. And yeah, it worked 
fine. Like it went away. So yeah, to your point, maybe it is effective. It's making me rethink everything. I do need to start maybe trusting the old world practices a little more than I do. Yeah, same here. I totally get it though. When it's delivered in such a way where it's like, you must stick a pine cone up of whatever person said <laughs> in such like almost like condescending fact. You're like, no, <laughs> I will not be doing that. <laughs> exactly. So that's exactly it. So to close out, what is a remedy or something that you learned from your parents or your family or your culture that you would probably be most likely to continue or to pass on to your kids? I think for me, it's embracing both the Eastern and the Western medicine and embracing things like acupuncture and Chinese herbs and things like that and trying to add more of that into my life so that I have a good balance, which I feel is actually more long-term health. A lot of that stuff helps in the long-term, whereas something like Tylenol, for example, is more short-term focused. So having that balance of short-term fixes, but also these long-term remedies that I think can help as well. For me, I don't think I will deny my children when they think they feel sick. However, I do think my parents were right in that whole mind over matter situation. So if you feel sick, you are sick. Where if you get out there and you play or you do math homework or whatever it is, you're going to feel better and you won't be out of commission tomorrow. Because I think it actually worked. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. Positive thinking. I think something that I didn't think I would pass on, but now that I have a baby, I it's kind of ingrained in me and the being warm. I've never specifically said going to catch that cold phrase, but I think it's so ingrained in me. And because I kind of started believing it too, I just always do want her to be warm and take a sweater. And I always have that on me because I think that's just something that's so ingrained in me that I'm going to pass it on whether I was consciously aware of it or not. I think going off of that, like on the idea of catching cold or catching wind, the philosophy around health in that it's not just a symptom that's happening to you at the moment and that there's energy going out of you and into you that you should also be cognizant of. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to sound very woo-woo, but... As I grow older, I think I'm just a little bit more, I just respect that idea or philosophy more. So I think I might try to pass that on to my children without sounding absolutely psycho. <laughs> I might just end up sounding like my mother. So I think that is bound to happen. And the karma of like me laughing at my mom yeah, yeah. <laughs> for suggesting these things is definitely going to come back when my daughter laughs at me for saying the same exact thing. So <laughs> absolutely. For sure. And then you tell your daughter that you put a pine nut in her butt. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you enjoyed episode six. As immigrants or kids of immigrants, we're lucky to have both Western medicine and traditional remedies from our home countries. Of course, we are not medical professionals, so please do not take anything we said as professional medical advice, but take it more as the wise words passed down from generations on being careful not to take in cold or drinking lots of hot water or having some sage tea or fenugreek seeds. 
Throughout this episode, I think we all learn to respect our parents' seemingly ridiculous ways just a little bit more. Thank you for listening to this episode of Growing Up Immigrant. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to connect with us at Growing Up Immigrant Pod on Instagram and at Grow Up Immigrant on Twitter. See you next time.